God bless you in this. If you are part of Shore Vineyard or you've been to one of our new people's events, you'll know that our church mission statement motto, if you like, is loving God, loving others. And we take that from the, the passage in Matthew 22 where Jesus, what well, was sometimes called the Great Commandment, where Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And during October in the series that we're called Loving Others, we're going to focus on, I guess, what we've taken to be the second half of that process. Loving God, which we talk about and we do a lot of worship, and loving others, loving each other, uh, loving beyond each other, outside these walls and uh, into the world in which we live. We're going to focus on those things. In many ways, we're going to be building in this series on our last series, which was in August, beautifully made, in which we looked at God's pleasure in making us and, and how he made us as image bearers of Christ. And we'll probably touch on that from time to time. But for this month, October 5, Sunday month, it's going to be around loving others. You may be aware in the Bible, there are dozens of scriptures that talk about one another. Here's some of them, and, and you'll be aware of these perhaps, but some of them, for example, is forgive one another, Ephesians 4.32, honour one another, Romans 12.10, serve one another, uh, Galatians uh, 5.13, comfort one another, 1 Thessalonians 4.18, pray for one another, James 5.6, and many, many more, both in the words of Jesus and in the words a lot of Paul and right through the epistles. So many, in fact, you've got to conclude, I think, that there's a theme going on here about these one another's, that loving one another is going to be one of the great uh, joys and, and the great pleasures of discovering what it is to loving one another. And it's also, perhaps along the way, also going to be one of the great challenges that we face uh, in church and out of church to love one another along the way. And so for the next five weeks, we're going to wrestle with this. We're going to find some answers. We're going to ask some questions that don't have answers to them, perhaps, but we'll face the tension of that, of raising some of those ideas and some thoughts along the way. Hopefully, we'll get to practice a little about what we preach, and hopefully it'll be a series that we can apply in church and out of church. Here's the thing, though. It's not easy. It's not going to be easy. I don't... I kind of think it probably sounds like a, an easier series than it's going to end up for us if we really listen to it, if we really want to apply it. Loving others is deeply challenging, and we can see that it's not easy just by looking at the definition of what other means in the dictionary. And I kind of quite taken with this. I think this is why it's so hard sometimes. The word other is used to refer to a person or thing that is different or distinct from one already mentioned or known about. And I kind of figure that's why it is quite difficult to love others because really deep down in my heart, I don't want to be with people who are different or distinct. I want people to think like me, to be like me, to have the same thoughts as me and the same opinions as me. And I think we're kind of all like that. We like to be around people. It's uncomfortable um, for us to be around people who are so completely different in all sorts of ways. And yet Jesus seemed to be drawn to the different or distinct, unnervingly so, when you start to look at some of, um, some of the scriptures. You get a story like the woman at the well. 
John chapter 4, if you, if you haven't heard it, we'll just sort of summarize or touch on a, little, a few little things along the way. Jesus is walking. He's in a foreign territory. He's a man. He meets a woman. Uh, the woman's of disreputable past. He's a, a holy uh, rabbi. And they strike up this conversation about life and eternity and, and, and about the way to live. And they have this, can we say, intimate close connection and and, and close conversation with this person who is the other, a conversation neither of them should have walked towards, but somehow pushed through and and somewhere in there, and we, we talk about this as a worship scripture, and I'm sure that it is, or passage, but somewhere through there, there's, a, there's a, an, an indication of us pushing through culture and prejudice and entering into someone else's world, into someone else's space. Whereas, you know, for often, as I say, for us, we like playing it safe and being somewhere else. What about the story of the woman, uh, the woman caught in adultery, John chapter 8? So Jesus is there, the, the Pharisees bring this woman caught in, in you know, it seems clear and wrong kind of relationship. Surely it says that we need to stone this woman. And, and, and Jesus sort of, you know, the, the famous sort of let, let he is without sin cast the first stone. And then kind of looking at the ground and writing in the ground and the crowd melt away. And he looks up and there's just him and the woman left, it seems. And he says, where are they all? Who would accuse you? And she, they say, she says, they're gone. And he says, well, if they can't accuse you, I'm not going to accuse you either. And go and sin no more. This amazing sort of electric thing that God is doing. More pertinently, perhaps a story that we could look at would be the Good Samaritan. Because that's all about others. In Luke chapter 10, who is my neighbor, it's asked. Who is my other? Could be a translation of it in the connection with this series that we're doing today. Who is my other. So let's, let's have a read of it. I'm going to read it out of the Living Bible, which is a little bit different to what you may have heard before. But let's just have a, a, a refresher because it's a, it's a familiar passage to people who are in church a lot and a familiar passage even to people who aren't in church a lot. But it goes like this from verse 25 of Luke chapter 10. One day an expert on Moses' laws came to test Jesus' orthodoxy by asking him this question. Teacher, what does a man need to do to live forever in heaven? Jesus replied, what does Moses' law say about it? It says, he replied, that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. And you must love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. So that's our loving God, loving others. We get right into Shaw territory at that point. Right, Jesus told the man, do this and you shall live. The man wanted to justify his lack of love for some kinds of people, so he asked, which neighbours? Or in some other translations, you'll say, so who is my neighbour? Who is my neighbour? Which neighbours? Jesus replied with an illustration. This is the bit that we'll know and have heard before. A Jew going on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes and money and beat him up and left him half, lying half dead beside the road. By chance, a Jewish priest came along, and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A Jewish temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but then went on. But a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw him, he felt deep pity. Kneeling beside him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with medicine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his donkey and walked along beside him till they came to an inn where he nursed him through the night. The next day he handed the innkeeper two $20 bills and told him to take care of the man. 
If his bill runs higher than that, he said, I'll pay the difference the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the bandit's victim? The man replied, the one who showed him some pity. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. What a great passage. What a, what a you know, kind of a complex yet simple, what a searching yet you know, kind of easy to gloss over sort of pa- passage because we know it all already. Three things struck me in there as I was reading it this year, uh, reading it this week. And this was the, uh, from verse 29. The man wanted to justify his lack of love for some kinds of people. Oh, I think that's really telling. So often with the other, it's like we demonize the other when we want to justify our own lack of love for the other. So, you know, kind of it's, that's them. That's what they do, you know, kind of in, in, in their culture, they do that. Or, or that's a sinful person, you know, so, so they are the other. We, we justify our own lack of love for somebody by, um, by, by, by making it an us and them. They're not like me. They're somewhere. They're, 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 um, they're lazy. They're undeserving of something. And we do it. We don't even know it. But I love that um, good uh, uh, living Bible translation of that. Uh, the man wanted to justify his lack of love for some kinds of people. I told you it was going to be hard because our instinct is to justify ourselves along the way. I was quite challenged by that. Well, Luke 10, 10, 33, when he saw him, this is the Samaritan by now, the religious guys have passed by already. When he saw him, he felt deep pity. And we'll be throwing a, a, a little um, gentle thread through these things. Of each, each Sunday, we'll have a slightly different perspective on this thing. And today, we're looking at the whole area of seeing. Seeing the other is an important thing. When he saw him, it wasn't so much a, a you know, kind of a, a natural instinct, but it was something that when he was able to see the, the damage done by the assault that had taken place, when we're able to see the other, all of a sudden the other becomes somewhat different, less of a, I guess, an inconvenience along the way. Recently, um, Oh, a few years ago, Fran and I were lucky enough with a sabbatical with a, a trip around Europe with students who were doing a, an arts degree, and we were kind of like camp mum and dad and stuff like that, and we camped around, the, around Europe for about eight weeks. And the theme of that trip, which was put together by the, the people who organised it, was seeing the other. And so we were challenged, we were encouraged at our kind of group meetings and stuff to see the other. So it wasn't just to be a, a waitress or a waiter but actually a person and to, and to treat them as such. It wasn't just to be a homeless person, somebody that you could walk past, but somebody who was, uh, uh, you know, kind of had a, had a name, had, a, had an identity, had a past, and to see them and to see whether God would do something. It wasn't just somebody who was, a, I don't know, a Muslim or, or somebody who had, you know, kind of a, a different language or different culture, but somebody that we would be able to see and look for and, and be part of. I, I spoke a few, uh, maybe a year or so ago, out of the whole uh, Henry David Thoreau thing. It's not what you look at that's important, it's what you see. Seeing is really important. It's being able to see is a really significant thing. When the man looked down at this, um, at this Jew who was beaten up on the road, he saw something and pity rose within him. Compassion rose within him along the way. I think it's really significant. And then the third thing that kind of occurred out, out of this is Jesus saying, you know, kind of, so who, who was the neighbor to them or, you know, kind of the one who was the least likely? And he says, yes, that was the neighbor. Now go and do the same. It's very bald, isn't it? It's very, very kind of straight. It's not kind of, you know, sort of um, there will be times in your life from time to time when you get the opportunity to do this. It's just like, just go and do the same. 
Just go and do what he, just go and do what the Samaritan did. And you will find, you know, kind of remembering against so what must I do to achieve eternal life? And at the end of the, the person who's lying on the ground in some, some way along the way. So how do we see the other? This is such an important thing, I think, for us to begin to come to grips with. And as I say, we're going we're gonna to sit here for a month. And I hope God's going to call us. And I, I've been thinking about this a lot. How do we see the other? Well, one of the things is, we see the other when we know their name. We see the other when we know who they are, when we know their name. You know, you'll probably be aware there's a, um, there's a refugee crisis. There's a, there's a more current refugee crisis, the Rohingyas and, and, um, from Myanmar who are getting you know, kind of um, driven out of Myanmar and over the border into Bangladesh. You will have seen those on TV lately. There's, there's an ongoing one from the North Africa, mainly the Syrian civil war and stuff, and you'll be aware of boat people going across the Mediterranean over the, over the, the spring and summer and autumn of, of, um, of the Northern Hemisphere in their, in their masses in them, you know, kind of across, and, and we know the stories, don't we, of, of people going over in, in boats that are just woefully overcrowded and stuff like that. But, but we don't know their names. We don't know kind of who they are. But then two years ago, we saw this photo. So here was a photo. This, this little boy's name is um, Alan Cady. And Alan Cady was with his family. They got on a boat, 16, on a, a, an inflatable dinghy meant for eight people. And uh, a wave hit them and he was knocked off and he was washed up on the beach and, and, and had died. And we were shocked when we saw that because we went from being, there could be 20 Alain Curdies on there, but one on the beach made the difference because we knew his name, we knew who he was and we could recognize him. And that was one person who we could identify with this whole thing. And the outcry from around the world all of a sudden honed in on what it was. He's a three-year-old Syrian from Kurdish background, and he lost his life because of that. And our hearts broke, didn't it? Because we knew him, because we knew his name. I just It seems ridiculous in the context of something like this, but the number of times that people, even just within our congregation, have, said, have, have, been, um, have remarked on the fact that I remember people's names. And they say, you're so good at that. And my answer is, I'm actually not very good at that. I work really hard at knowing people's names. And I think we can all do that. We can all know each other's names. Have a look around today and think, how many people here, especially if you're a regular here, do I not know the name of? Seeing the other would would take you to that name. If I could only at least know your name, that would be a step towards something that would be significant along the way. Let's know each other's names. It's really important. My name's Vic. I don't actually really like my name, but I don't want to be called anything else. So, but you can call me Vic. That would be fantastic. And I'll call you whatever your name is, if I can remember it, and I will work really hard to do so. So I think um, knowing each other's name is important. I think taking an interest in their story is a really important thing as well. Sort of knowing something about their story. Um, I want to show you that the, um, in Wellington, um, they did a... Uh, um, I think it explains on this video clip, they interviewed homeless people. So, you know, I mean, there's a sort of proliferation of homeless people. If you've been overseas, you'll see it. Increasingly in, in Auckland and in New Zealand, you'll see people who are homeless. 
But they're kind of nameless, aren't they, and faceless, and you kind of walk past and don't try and make eye contact. And so they did this video series, so I hope this works okay. So. Well, I was born onto the streets. Um, when I say in my stories that I was made for the streets, it's because my mum um, had all my other siblings, and so when me and my twin were born, my mum was on the streets at the time. So um, I was born onto the streets of Savien Bay. 1964, I was born the year of the dragon. The year 2017, I'm on an invalid's benefit. I grew up in the forest here. I ran away into the bush um, because I was sick and tired of society. How people are, how do you say, mindset. There's a lot of racism out there. Um, people don't even see it. But I think it needs to be equal no matter what colour skin you are. When I look in the mirror, I see this uh, person and he's got a lot of uh, got a lot of things to do, you know, like can do things. Uh, yeah, 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 potential, yeah. It's amazing, eh? They have a story. They have names. They have potential. Homeless people, they're, they're other, aren't they? They're definitely other. And we wrestle with that, and it's not easy to be a Christian with that. Um, back in the time when I was a, a journalist, or a you know, really young journalist, as a late teenager, I worked for this newspaper called the Auckland Star. It was an afternoon daily newspaper. And um, one of the fellow cadet journalists of the time, he, um, he used to do this juxtaposition of articles that we would publish that were really important but we didn't take much notice of and that were really unimportant we took a lot of notice of. So he would put up a one-paragraph brief from the world pages. So this is the... This is the We've got to put it in somewhere and we don't know where else to put it. And it would be 500 killed when a Philippines ferry over, overturns. And it would be one paragraph. And then he would put up the photo of the happy family who had the cat taken down from the tree by the fire brigade and, you know, kind of it made front page news. And he would never comment. He would just, every, every couple of days there'd be a new one up there. It was like his little protest. It was like his little stand that he was taking that, that we're messed up. In, in our priorities and our understanding of who and what we are. I thought that was just such a, such a powerful thing. I know in my life, you know, kind of when I'm, when I'm dealing with people, maybe sort of, I don't know, who, who I'm in conflict with or people who have difficulties in their life, sort of in my job sometimes, I'm working with people who, you know, kind of who maybe through fault of their own or no fault of their own or whatever, you know, kind of are in sticky situations or something. I know that my compassion is moved when I know their story. So often their situation is not the result of, you know, just one dumb decision or whatever or even one bad luck decision, but it's as a result of a story. When you know somebody's story, all of a sudden you see the other. All of a sudden you never like that again or you're never quite the same again. It's an incredibly powerful thing. I think, too, we sort of um, we, we embrace, too, where we see others when we embrace what they have to give. You know, none of us has it all. None of us has, you know, kind of the, the, the I, I don't know, the majority, the, um, I just can't think of the term, you know, none of us has everything within us. We all need and have each other. I'm, I mean, I, can't, I think of Fran and me, we, we talk about it a lot. We're just talking about it, I think, on Friday night, how different we are. You know, any gift survey you get is how different we are. But, you know, the, this woman here has just, has opened my horizons for, you know, kind of, you know, 35 years because she's so different. 
you know, if I kind of closed off to those things, even, you know, I'm not like that, you be like that. It's like, it's like this incredible opening of things. It's, it's a wonderful thing. So different cultures, different languages, different foods, different um, ideas that kind of come in. These things are significant to us and help us see the other. I, um, uh, uh, we eat with a knife and fork most of the time. A lot of countries eat with their fingers. We'd almost sort of see, well, this is a, you know, kind of, we're, we're further advanced in some ways. But, you know, we have eaten, as some of our missions trips, you know, we have eaten with our fingers with people of, of local cultures and countries, and we have grown enormously in that process. And so, and so embracing what they have to give, what the others have to give, is an incredible thing this wonderful thing that we get to do along the way. And so as we embrace that, how important is that? I think we see others when we walk across the room. You know, kind of a, I even wonder here whether it would be good to you know, just walk across the room, sort of find the people who are on the other side of church. I think, I think that's a wonderful thing to do. You see, seeing is an action. Seeing is not a... Looking is, a, is, is passive. Seeing, it would seem, as active if you go back to the Thoreau quote. We have to stir ourselves to meet the other. We have to, we have to rise above something to be able to meet someone else. But the, the, opposite, the, the, the consequence of not doing it is we stay in our own world and we stay small and we stay unchallenged and we stay, you know, kind of, I don't know, just mono somehow. It puts us in this incredible world where we can actually kind of meet each other and know each other and grow together with each other. I think we see each other when we start, and I, I think the great thing is to start with those for whom God gives you compassion already. So, you know, although kind of there are, there are endless others, well, where do I go? Do I go out from here and go to the homeless people, or do I talk to the new person at church and find out their name? You know, it seems like I've got all of these options. But we start, I think, as a great thing when we do when, with the people to whom God gives us compassion. We, um, I use my, uh, at our home group on um, uh, Tuesday night, we did a, we did a bit of a, uh, I, I used them as a focus group for, for today's message a little bit and, and for our whole series. Actually, most of our hungry aren't here, so that must have, can't have gone that well. But hey, what the heck. It was great, wasn't it, Stanley? Yeah. <laughs> Fran, yeah. <laughs> oh, Rachel was there. Yeah, 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 yes. Anna. She was another. I thought, I thought it was Stanley eh, all the time, so... So we talked about who are our others, and we were quite honest in a way. And so we talked about, you know, some, some you know, kind of said, you know, kind of, there's a racial thing that I realized that I am other racially. And somebody talked about the homeless, and I, f- I feel so much like they are the other. Somebody talked about the disabled, and I feel so distant and difficult with the disabled. Somebody talked about um, pedophiles. You know, kind of because they're very much the other. What do you do with faith when you have all of these other? And then at the end, probably in some ways more helpfully, we talked about, so who do you have compassion on? So somebody talked about the LGBTI community, you know, kind of have compassion on. And um, for me, kind of compassion's often been children who don't have, who don't have anything. You know, kind of where last Sunday night, it sort of comes to mind when we did the World Vision thing. It's like, and we're, you know, people in our night congregation mainly sponsoring children. It's like, what a fantastic thing. So to work with those for whom God gives us compassion is an awesome thing for us to be able to do. 
to be able to build from there and to be able to think about there and to go out from there. This, I just got off the World Vision website today. Here's a, a child who you could sponsor. Her name's uh, Kaim. She's Cambodian. She's nine years old. You could go on there, click on there, $50 a month. You could sponsor and other. This is a great thing for us to do as we're inspired to do those sorts of things. You know, Paul says this, finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. It's beautiful, isn't it? Rejoice. Isn't it great to be fellow created by God? People who are, who are made in the image of God, regardless of who we are and our background and you know, the color of our skin or our nationality or whatever it might be. Aim for restoration. You know, when it falls down, let's restore and let's comfort one another knowing, you know, kind of we're going to have the gays who are going thing, our gay Edwards going through things. You know, we comfort each other, we live for each other, we're there with us. Agree with one another. And I don't think that's a passive, that's a, that's a wrestling to agree with one another. Live in peace. And then the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. It's like a family kiss. We are together. We are one. We are called together. It's just this wonderful thing. It's basically just common sense. It's a bit golden rule-ish. Golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What a challenge. What a challenge it is to love God. What a challenge it is to love others. Jesus, who seems pretty blunt today when he talks to us, doesn't he? Kind of to the point, he says, a new command I give you. So remember back right when we started from Matthew 22, he's sort of quoting, you know, those commands, and you know, kind of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, do those, loving God, loving others. Later he will say, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. How hard, how challenging, how stimulating, how exciting, how opening, how um, much of an opportunity is it for us to hear that, to grow in that, and to know that. I think it's an incredible thing. Would you stand with me? And I wonder, Rob, if you could come and we're going to, we're just gonna we're just gonna sing. We'll sing um, Wairua Tapu again, and we're just gonna invite the presence of God to come, and we'll pray as we have a sense of being led, <clears throat> and go and take today, and come back next week, and work with it, and stay with us for this series. And allow yourself to be challenged and allow yourself to get beyond the, yeah, but I don't. And be drawn into those things. So let's worship Him. Let's come close to Him. And then we'll, we'll minister as God seems to lead.